Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Today we're starting a brand new series called The Christmas Timeline, and uh, we're just going to jump into it. I want you to read, I want you to read with me a, uh, a pretty familiar passage when it comes to Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. So listen. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Now, again, pretty familiar if you've spent any time reading the scriptures at Christmas time, this is a pretty familiar passage. But I want you to imagine with me, let's use our imaginations, imagine that you didn't know anything about Christmas. Um, You didn't know anything about what was going on in just those six verses. What kind of story would these verses tell? What kind of story would we have just read? And you think about it, right? You don't know who Mary and Joseph are. You don't know who this baby is that's been born. And just in those six verses, really what you have is a a story that's not much different from the story of any baby born in the midst of some political turmoil. Uh, It's a pretty plain vanilla kind of story. But of course, we know that we're not hearing uh, a a story that is just plain vanilla. And, And of course, we know that most of us, we're not hearing this story for the first time. We know this is no ordinary story. And we know that this is no ordinary baby, right? This is the story of the birth of Jesus. It's the story of God stepping uniquely into time and space. This is the story of what we know as Jesus's incarnation, that moment in history where he breathed air, uh, the, the air that is around us after having developed in the womb of his mother, Mary. This is an amazing, amazing, I mean, the miracle, aside from the resurrection, the miracle of all miracles. And so this is no, again, no ordinary story. This is a tale of hope. You say, well, what is hope? We we celebrated that for the first week of Advent. Here's one definition that's helpful to me. Hope is a patient, disciplined, confident, waiting for an expectation of the Lord as our Savior. That's what it means to to have Christian hope. And and today we're going to look at the happening of hope. We're going to look back into this familiar and yet extraordinary story to say, how does hope happen? Okay, so the first thing to recognize is that hope happens in history. First thing we see here is that hope happens in history. Notice the very beginning of this chapter, in those days, in those days. What does God want us to know here? God wants us to know through Luke's account that this was no mere tale, not just an inspirational story, 
But instead, this is the story. This is an account of the defining facts of history. All of history hinges on what we find in this Gospel of Luke and in the other Gospels and in the reports from the New Testament. These are the defining facts of history. And Galatians 4.4 tells us about this particular time, those particular days when this story takes place. Galatians 4.4, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman. What are we told there? That, that Jesus was born at just the right time. That Greek word translated completion is pleroma. It indicates that Christ came at the perfect time. And what, what was so unique about that time? Well, that time in history there was widespread peace, what we know as the Pax Romana. There was also at this time, this particular time in history, there were excellent Roman roads. There was a Pax Romana because the Roman Empire had expanded and it had created these roads that allowed for trade and allowed for political and military domination by the Romans. And because of those roads, along with that peace, there was one other factor, which was the dominance of one language. There was something known as Koine Greek. It's what the New Testament is largely written in. And this one language, Koine Greek, allowed for communication all over the known world. Which is to say, these three factors, the known language across the empire, the excellent roads, and the relative peace, means that Jesus enters a world that was uniquely positioned for the spread of the gospel. See, God knew what he was doing in those days. Those were special days. Those were the days that God intended for this to take place. And what we find is that in those days, there was this registration. There was this census taken. And what we find is the details of that census. When you look into verse 4, where we find this man Joseph going from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, we see that that is also a fulfillment of what had been previously promised. That's a fulfillment of Micah 5.2. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. This is a prophecy. And sure enough, the one who would be the ruler over Israel, the ruler over all, would be born in Bethlehem. Why? Because in those days there was a census taken by Quirinius who required that these folks make, uh, make a trip to their home of origin, to the home of their family line. What does God want us to know? He wants us to know that he's present. See, hope happens in history. God is present in our world. And if, as we embark upon this Christmas season, if we remember nothing else, remember that God is present. He, he's present in our world, in the nitty-gritty of our lives, which leads us to the second big idea we find here, that hope happens in history, but it also happens in the hassle. Hope happens in the hassle. Notice a few things, a few elements of what are go what's going on uh, here in verses 4 through 6. First, there's the scandal, right? When we think about the people who are involved, 
Right? If we didn't know who they were, we'd just think, oh, hey, there's a guy named Joseph, a woman named Mary. They're about to have a baby. They've got to go travel, and the baby's born. Pretty basic, no big deal. Except we know, if, if we look back into Luke's account in chapter 1, but if we just know, we, we know that there's a scandal involved here. You have a, from the, the outside world, looking in, you have a young girl inexplicably pregnant and a young man who is inexplicably patient. He, he comes to find that, that his betrothed wife, like this, his, this woman he's engaged to, is pregnant, and he's not the biological father, and he's got to make this really difficult decision in terms of how to treat her, how to handle this situation. There's a potential for scandal, and yet he's patient because he's told that there's a greater purpose involved. you got to think about it, right? For Mary and Joseph, this was not at all how these two could have ever imagined their life starting, right? Their life together getting started. Not at all how they would have drawn it up. There's this potential scandal involved. But there also, when we think about what's happening here, is the trip. They've got to make this trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And that trip would have taken three days and covered roughly 80 to 90 miles. It was a long trip. I mean, three days. You're on foot or on donkey, and you're having to pack things up. And the facts are, they had to go there, and they probably had to be there for a number of days. So they had to prepare for that. This was a very involved trip. There's a lot of hassle and having to go make this trip in the midst of everything. And not just the trip, but the fact that they're making this trip when Mary is ready to pop, right? Like the baby's coming any time. And they've got to make this long trip back to Bethlehem. There's a hassle involved. And then we find the hassle that and the baby comes, right? Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. There's this birth. I mean, now they've got the hassle. They're in a, a, this city that is the, the city of their family, but still they're away from where they had been planning to have the baby. Now, I don't know if this was as big a deal as it is now, right? If, if you're about to have a baby, they say, you can't travel because what woman wants to be far off and have somebody who's not her doctor deliver that baby? That's generally not how we want to draw it up. And you know, it's a little different, but surely Mary was familiar with somebody who was her midwife and going to be her midwife there in Nazareth. And instead, she finds herself in a different situation here in Bethlehem. There's a hassle involved with that. And then we realize, though, involved in this whole hassle, there's the baby. The baby who would become our high priest. Listen to what the baby was born to be. Listen to this, another prophecy about that baby. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5, we're meeting the man who this baby would become. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed, because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. That was what the baby was born to be. Listen to what that baby became. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That first Christmas occurred in the midst of a lot of hassle. But for us, understand too, we none of us faces a Christmas or any other time that doesn't also involve some hassle. But we're reminded as we look at who this baby was born to be and who that baby became, we're reminded God knows our difficulty. God knows our difficulty. He doesn't remove it, but he does redeem it. We're told there in Hebrews, we will have times of need, but God is here to help us. Again, he is present in history, and he is present, wanting to be present in our lives here to help us. I, I want you to think, I mean, again, we've gone over the, the hassle that was involved, I mean, that's, and that's probably putting it lightly when you think about what Mary and Joseph went through. We'll look more about what was involved in terms of when they arrived in Bethlehem next week. But there was definitely a great deal of hassle involved. But, but do you think, right? stop for a moment, think, would Mary and Joseph, for all the hassle they endured in this time, would they look back on this and say, nah, no way, wouldn't do that again? No chance. They would absolutely go back through all that hassle, knowing now what they know, knowing now all that. I mean, and they were told, they were promised that there was, there was that, that something special was happening. But again, to now see all that was involved with that, they wouldn't trade that hassle for anything. What we find is hope is made for the hassle. Hope, hope happens in the hassle for you and I. As we endure the, the hassle that we deal with, that, that often comes not only in holiday seasons, but just all the time, know that the hope of God is meant for that time. There, there's another really great definition of hope. Lee Strobel, author of many books, including The Case for Hope, he writes this, and I, I've, I've shared this before. He says, hope is the inextinguishable flicker that God ignites in our souls to keep us believing in the prevailing power of His light, even when we are surrounded by utter darkness. Hope is made for the hassle. And that's what we find here in the story of Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus. We, we can trust that God will meet us in the hassle and He will help us. And, and that the hope that we find in Jesus will... will be the kind of hope that pulls us forward into the future, into something far greater than any hassle we would ever endure. But I'll understand this. Hope is not just something that happens to you. Okay? Hope happens in our habits. That's the third idea. And, and it's not exactly explicit here in, in this passage that we're looking at. But I do want us to recognize that, that as we think about hope, hope is something that is that is hunted and is cultivated. It is harvested. Psalm 43, 5. The psalmist writes this, Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. This is an expression of hope in the middle of a great deal of hassle. 
But, but notice how hope is being cultivated. And I, I want to ask you this question. Do you spend more time listening to yourself or talking to yourself? This is one of the brilliant things we find in Scripture is these people of God who are speaking to themselves. Now, they're not just you know, talking crazily to themselves. They're speaking to themselves the truth, the promises of God. Here we find the psalmist talking to his soul as if, as if it's another person. Right? Why are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God. Right? He is my Savior and my God. He, he's giving himself this pep talk that is not founded on just rah-rah and, and empty platitudes. It's a pep talk built on the hope of God's very character. And, and it's this kind of habit that we need to develop in ourselves, that, that, that God empowers us to develop, these kinds of hopeful habits where we help ourselves grow in hope. Now, I said last week, we were in a different series, we we're looking at the gospel. We said last week that life in the gospel, a life of hope, is not so much about addition as it is about, about doing additional things as it is about being intentional. Additional isn't the big deal. Intentional is the big deal. Again, God equips us with his spirit to hunt and harvest hope. And he wants us to cultivate hopeful habits. And so that's what I want to encourage you today to do is to develop hopeful habits. Habits, again, like we looked at last week of knowing the story of God, of spending time listening to God. And I want to encourage you with a resource that's been helpful to me in this particular Advent season. Uh, there's a, a book and a, a website related to the book called The Common Rule. Uh, Thecommonrule.org is a website. And, uh, and there's an Advent edition of The Common Rule. The Common Rule is developed as a way to help Christ followers uh, develop habits of walking with God in their everyday lives. Uh, it's a series of habits that are, are meant to be a, a rule of life. A rule is uh, just a, a standard or a, a, a kind of a, a backbone, a, a framework that's meant to help us grow. It's a, the idea of a rule is the same kind of thing you think about, about a, a lattice for a, a vine that is going to grow. It's, it's meant to be a, a framework to let good things grow. And so a rule of life, or this common rule, is meant to be a series of habits to help good things in us grow, the kinds of things that God wants to cultivate in us. And so there's an Advent edition that has some habits related to it. And I want to encourage you to check that out. We've, we've, you can download on uh, the, the worship online worship website, you can download an Advent devotional guide. Uh, it's a guide for each day, starting December 1st. It'll walk you through uh, the whole day, the whole month of December and give you daily readings to help you spend time with God in His Word. And one of the habits is Scripture before phone. Okay? This idea that when you wake up, you spend time with God in the Scriptures before you engage your phone. This has been really helpful to me. I haven't always done this very well. And I even now, I've, I'm having to really put effort uh, into doing that because it's just become a bad habit of waking up and spending time on my phone. I shouldn't do that. Uh, it's not helpful. It's, it doesn't build hope in me. And so instead, developing this habit of scripture before phone, uh, having an Advent, having this guide, these daily readings, having a plan for how you're going to spend time in the scriptures, 
is really helpful. And so I'd encourage you to check that out, to follow along with it. Another habit that's mentioned there is three times daily prayer, kneeling prayer. And the idea is not that you're spending a ton of time in prayer in those three times, but that three times a day, the morning, sometime midday, and sometime in the evening, you're taking time to stop and to, to actually kneel, to take a posture of dependence before God and, and just pray and ask for His help. And they even the common rule gives you some ideas for prayers to pray. I would encourage you to check that out and consider that, to spend time over the month of December daily, three times, kneeling prayer. There's also uh, the habit of lighting a candle. Uh, we were lighting candles for Advent, but maybe daily, lighting a candle, maybe during dinner time or some other time, to light a candle as a reminder that we are called to not only love God, but to love others and, and to be a light to the people around us, to look for opportunities, again, as we looked at last week, to be a blessing to others, to be able to hear the stories of others, to share the story of God with others. So again, just a, a practice all through the month of December to remind us of what this season is all about, that Jesus has come to bring hope, not just to us, but to others. And we get to share in cultivating that hope in other people and helping them know the hope that we have. Along with that, right, there's, there's these different habits um, of uh, related to all these things, and I'm forgetting the fourth one. You see it there on the screen, but I would encourage you to, to look at those um, and consider these habits for yourself in the month of December. Use that Advent guide and follow along and cultivate these habits of hope. Hope happens in history. It happens uh, in our hassle, but it also happens as we develop certain habits that remind us of the hope that we have. So I encourage you, take that next step. Use the Advent Daily Devotional Guide, follow along, um, and cultivate these habits of hope. Next week, the Christmas Timeline series is going to continue. Our Advent time is going to continue. And, and we're going to look next week at peace, the next uh, next candle, next theme in Advent. And But I want to help you understand, in this series... We're going to look at Luke's account of the Christmas story. We're going to continue here in Luke chapter 2, looking at Luke's account of the Christmas story. And it's an account that he describes in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 4, as an orderly sequence. That, that's what he's writing, an orderly sequence. Luke was concerned especially with the timeline of the events of Jesus' life. And, and so as we walk through that timeline over these next four weeks, we're going to envision the first Christmas without the benefit of hindsight. Like we did today, imagine if we didn't know all that was going on in Mary and Joseph's life uh, prior to this account. But we're going to think about this first Christmas and the way that the, the people involved with it would have experienced it. And we're going to look at snapshots of, of those who were near to those events surrounding Jesus' birth. We're going to continue to look at his parents, look at this through the eyes of the shepherds and Simeon and Anna. And we'll see that Jesus' birth is a welcome invitation to everyone. To those who recognize him as he comes, he brings hope and peace and joy and love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the hope that is ours in Christ. We thank you for the hope that we find 
um, in the Christmas story, that hope has stepped into history, that hope is here to help us in the midst of the hassle that we face, and that God, you, through Christ, want to encourage us, equip us to, to develop habits of hope, to grow us in our hope. Help us to recognize that, Lord, and help us to be beacons of hope, lights of hope to others around us. Help us to welcome people uh, during this season, to be patient with people, and try to point them towards the hope that is found in Christ. We ask for your guidance and help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.